Thank you. Thanks, Joel. Man, I, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So, um, uh, yeah, hold that applause. Um, well, <laughs> well, that's awesome, all those kids. That, that is very cool. And so we, what you didn't tell me was when I need to stop. So 1230, okay? Yeah. All right. Um, you and I will still be here. Yeah, yeah all right, okay. Um, well, my name's Dan, and um, I don't, I've, uh, a, few, a few of you are familiar faces, but it's good to be here. And I'm so pleased that Joel invited me. I thank a lot of him, and um, even this morning, just we had a really good visit, um, uh, Carol and I. And this is my wife, Carol, came with me. Doesn't always get to come with me, but that's... Uh, that's good, and no, she does not get the microphone. All the years in ministry, um, she has said, I have one request, just give me the microphone, and um, we're, that's not going to happen. <laughs> not today, not, not, yeah, not today, but um, I, I'm very glad to be here, and we'll, I'll, I'll jump in and get to the point, uh, but yes, I've, uh, I started out just... I uh, I came to Atlanta when I was uh, 23, started at Mount Carmel Christian Church. So I was youth minister there for 11 years and uh, then traveled and spoke. And um, then we started a church. I was Sometimes I tell the story, sometimes I don't if the kids have left. And, and anyway, I started a church down on Piedmont Road in uh, Buckhead at a former club. So uh, some of y'all may know Gold Club, and I won't go into that anymore. But anyway, we took that and renovated it and uh, planted a church there. And I'm so glad to see you guys supporting church plants. And uh, one of the groups that you support uh, is the Canvas Ministry. And uh, we sort of call Abby our third child. She was the babysitter for our kids growing up. And now my da our daughter is over in England babysitting Abby's baby, and so she's sort of been a nanny for about three months, and that full circle of that is really hard to describe. So Abby and Derek, were they run the campus ministry there in Canvas, and um, so they were home in August, <clears throat> sorry, they were home in August and, or July or something. Anyway, uh, they said, we had dinner, and we were all sitting around, and they said, well, what are y'all's names going to be? And they were, you know, the baby was, was due in a few weeks, and we were all excited about the baby. We said, they, they said, what are your names going to be? So what, what do you mean, what are our names going to be? Your grandparent names. What are your, oh, our grandparent names. I said, well, Big D and Big Mama. That's, I mean, that's, <clears throat> Carol went, oh, no, 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 no. Big Mama is not going to be my name. <laughs> so uh, it's Big D and Gigi, but <clears throat> when we FaceTime and Carol's not there, I say, hey, Ruby, Big D and Big Mama say hey. <laughs> so she doesn't know I do that, but now she does, so it'll me that's going to mess it up. Um, so Halloween's coming. This has nothing to do with anything, but I always like to do a few minutes of it has nothing to do with anything. Do you do that? You seem more to the point kind of person. Yeah. Um, Halloween, seven and a half billion dollars will be spent <clears throat> on Halloween. 
$350 million additional dollars will be spent on dressing up pets. So anyway, I just thought I'd share that with you. Um, just things that drive me crazy. I'm not anti-Halloween. I'm not pro-Halloween. <laughs> but anti-Halloween, pro-Halloween, I don't know, split the church. But uh, it is a little crazy. It is going to surpass, they say, Christmas in terms of spending uh, fairly, fairly soon, which is wild. But um, there are things, uh, that's one of those things I can't do anything about, which is sort of the theme today of things I can do something about, things I can't. Um, I'm, I know that y'all have traffic, but we've come from Atlanta this morning, and I have two or three things that drive me crazy, and one is when I have sat in line to get off at that exit, and I've sat for 10 in 15 minutes, and that guy flies by that goes right up and then cuts in, and I don't know why he thinks his work is more important than mine, but and I have unchristian feelings towards him and things that I want to do to that guy. But uh, <clears throat> there are things I want to do uh, to the guy who flies by. But, again, that has nothing to do today. But you, there, are, there are bigger issues, things that I get fr frustrated about, uh, poverty and racism. I want to fix, and I can't. And maybe you felt that way. When I see kids in awful situations. Uh, you may have read about the recent uh, ring, that, and I think I can talk fairly freely, the little kids are gone, but the human trafficking ring that was recently busted um, in cooperation with FBI and local officials. Uh, I, I want to fix that, uh, little children being sold. I uh, heard the story of two teenage girls uh, whose uh, father abandoned them. The mother was uh, on drugs, and, and she was trying to do what she could, but she was messed up and um, nowhere to turn. They didn't have extended family, and your heart breaks. You know, there's a mixture of anger, of wanting to just take a bat to some people, and then uh, mixed with empathy and heartbreak for the struggles that people go through that cause their families to get to that that place it's not easy to figure this all out but when I watch that and when I hear those stories I, I want to fix it and, and I bet you do too then you can sort of go more on the macro level of the economy and uh, stock market broke a record a couple of weeks ago and uh, uh, the ceiling. And then, uh, you know, it, it's kind of uh, dropped back down. Um, Carol and I both have uh, parents in assisted living, and we're trying to figure out next steps for that and uh, Alzheimer's and um, how are we going to make those choices and decisions. So it's not just macro, it's micro. <clears throat> it's it's in our life. It's not just the the economy, but how are we going to afford uh, to to handle all of the situations and trying to save for retirement? So there are things that I can control and things that I can't. And I, I've 
I have to, and I think every believer has to get to a place to understand I cannot affect every person, but I can affect one person. I can affect two or three persons. I can't change the whole world, but I can probably affect change in my world. And fear can, can come in when we talk about the economy, when we talk about what do we do with our parents, how do we, what do we do with our kids, what do we do with this news, what do we do with the crazy things that have happened. Um, I read last night just about heroin overdoses uh, ha have been increased, uh, uh, it was 400%. Uh, and we live on the north side of Atlanta, and uh, we have uh, opioids uh, crisis, much greater than any other part uh, of, of the state. And it's easy, especially when you watch the cable news has affected us in that small things have to become large things so they can have something to talk about all day. And so we get this onslaught, and I really challenge you to, watch the news a little bit because we need to be informed, especially of what the enemy's up to, but then turn it off or go over to, you know, fix her up or something a little more benign. But <clears throat> it's easy for fear to envelop us, and fear comes from this sense of being overwhelmed. And we're overwhelmed when we feel like there's a tsunami of bad things out there. I can't do anything about it. And then we isolate. But that's not really what, what God has called us to do. And so we, we, we don't want to operate out of fear and let, and let fear uh, guide our decision making. We, we, fear is focusing on the things we can't change. And God has told us that we can change some things. Uh, I'm going uh, to more funerals lately. I don't know if you all... Anybody can relate to that, but more and more friends. I'm trying to hang out with younger people. Um, but, and I'm having more birthdays, and I've tried to reconcile the conflicting emotions of I don't like having more birthdays, but the alternative to that is not great. So I'm going to more funerals, and I don't like having more birthdays, and I've decided I'm going to enjoy having more birthdays because I think that works out better. But what these things do, birthdays and funerals, they bring you to some uh, realities that our, our time is limited. And we can live in denial of that or we can embrace the reality of that and choose to use our time wisely. I'm trying, and I can only share you, with you for myself, I'm trying to focus more on impact. We have a choice. You have a choice every day. You have a choice all throughout the day. You have a choice throughout your life to invest in useless activities or meaningful ministry. I'm trying to make impactful decisions in terms of conversations, uh, finances, and calendar. I don't have many other more seasons and you think well that's a little melodramatic but I want my life to matter and I don't have time I, I, I like to joke I joke too much I like to have fun it's not what I'm talking about and I'm not even against Halloween Halloween was one of my favorite things just I remember we I, I grew up in I grew up in a small town in East Tennessee 
Anybody remember walkie-talkies? You don't really have walkie-talkies anymore, but you could, I guess you could use cell phone now. But I would sit on the roof of our house, which is really funny because it's just there when I lived on this street with sidewalks. And um, so, you know, kids would come, but they're so focused and they would look on our porch and they would see the candy and all that sort of thing. So I guess they never really looked up. But I just kind of wore some dark clothes that blended in with our roof, but I set up this kind of monster guy, and I would talk to the kids as they came up, you know, so I just thought that was so cool, and a lot of them, it would freak them out, but uh, I liked Halloween before it became so kind of, a lot of it, demonic kind of focus, but um, so I'm not talking about not having fun, I'm not talking about not dressing up or decorating your yard or, or whatever it is, but we spend culturally we spend a lot of time focusing on useless topics things that we cannot change so let let, let me even modify that so it, you might have an opinion uh, on NATO uh, or you might have an opinion on North Korea and I have an opinion on North Korea so that's not a useless topic but I probably can't affect a whole lot of change on that and so I've got I've got to decide how much time, how much emotional energy that I'm going to invest in things that I cannot change and make decisions based on what I can change. And so as I think about social media and we think about uh, Facebook or Twitter or whatever, think, think about the challenge. I don't want people to meet my opinion. I want people to meet Jesus. And so wherever you are in terms of age, you don't have a guarantee of this next season of life. You don't have a guarantee that I have this much time left. So you may be thinking, well, 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 Dan, you're at a place where you're making decisions. Yeah, you're feeling the heat a little bit. You've, you know, people, you know, it's funny, people who are 50 say I'm middle-aged. People that are 50 aren't middle-aged. That means you're going to live to be 100, okay? If you're 50, you're not middle-aged. But it's so funny how we like to say, you know, well, I'm 50, I'm middle-aged. You are not middle-aged unless you're going to live to be 100, and the average lifespan is for males 78 and for females 82. So you are probably not going to live to be 100. So, uh, yeah, give up on the middle age thing. But we don't have any guarantees, and we just don't have time for the useless. I want to spend my life on rescue and restoring rather than on rhetoric. Uh, Tim Tebow, uh, I heard Tim Tebow at a... Catalyst conference the other day, and you may know this story, but it's an awesome story about using your time and investing wisely. But he does the eye black, you know the you know the stuff that football players they they do this, and then he would in white letters. I don't know how you do this, but in white letters he would put John three sixteen or whatever. He changed up his verses, but when he did that in the national uh, championship. Uh, he had John 3.16, and, you know, right at the end, they won, the Gators won and all that. Uh, 94 million people Googled John 3.16, which is so cool. But that's not, that's not the whole story. I've, I, I see. I think I've got the so, – so when he was with the uh, Broncos, they, uh, they beat the Steelers. So this is a few years later. I think this was 2012. And um, – 
So they came off the field, and one of these young assistant guys came up to Tebow, and said, he was telling this at this conference, and he said, man, do you know, do you know what just happened? And he went, uh, yeah, we beat the Steelers, and uh, we're, you know, we're going on. And he said, no, 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 no. You threw for 316 yards. Your yards per rush, our, our, his yards per rush, 3.16. Yards per catch were 31.6, and the ratings for the game, which I don't understand this, was 31.6, and a time of possession was 31.6. <laughs> now, and at that game, 90 million people Googled John 3.16. He, he changed up his verses, but he, he wore John 3.16 again. Uh, so tomorrow, or maybe Tuesday, you need to wear eye black to work uh, or school and put your favorite verse on there. Only thing is, don't use like Philippians, you know, that's not... You don't have to... Spending our time investing, investing our lives. We're, we're, let's look at Hebrews chapter 5, that's what we're going to do. Uh, and I, I don't have it for the screen, but uh, you can bring it up on your device or use one of these. So uh, Hebrews 15, so the writer is kind of getting on to his audience. Um, he's fussing at them a little bit uh, prior to this. And um, he says uh, in verse 11 of chapter 5, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. <laughs> now, Joel, <laughs> can you imagine? I don't know. You might do this. I don't know. But uh, standing up and telling your people. Uh, we've talked about this over and over, but you are just too thick to get it. So let's try it one more time. I mean, I don't know. But, you know, sometimes we say that to our kids. Um, we have much to say about this. So he's talking about some of the, some of the teachings about the Messiah that he's uh, been t uh, teaching them prior. In fact, though, by this time, you ought to be teachers. In other words, I'm going to interpret this for you, church. How many Bible studies do you need? How many Sunday school classes? How many sermons? How many videos? How many small group series? do you need before it kicks in and we take it from here out there? How many more studies do we need before we speak to our neighbor? How many more sermons do we need before we start thinking about people who look different or think different than us to know that they are made in the image of God and deserve our respect and dignity? How many more sermons do we need before we start praying for our enemies? Am I preaching yet? He says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear because you no longer try to understand. Now, what does that mean? You no longer try to understand. We shift into the trivial and move away from the important. By this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. 
but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Solid teaching helps us to know discernment. Now, we pray for our children. Our kids are now 22 and 23, but I still pray the same prayer for them that I've prayed since they were born. And you can't, you can't, you know, I start out by saying you can't fix everything. So I said, I can't pray for everything. God, give them wisdom and mercy and justice and love and make them self-control. Well, I did pray that. But, uh, you know, give them righteousness. I chose one word, and I prayed that they would have discernment. It's a great biblical word, and it means the ability to distinguish between right and wrong. I figured that I couldn't go with them in the car and make every decision for them. But if they had discernment, and so, you know, Solomon prayed for wisdom. I prayed for my children discernment, that they would be able to distinguish good people from people who was going to hurt them. Good decisions versus bad decisions. Good versus evil. Praying for our children for discernment. What, what the writer of Hebrews is talking about here is distinguishing between basic truth. Now, let's, let's, let's understand what he's saying. Some of this he's saying, distinguish between you know, milk and, and, and meat. Milk is not bad. But you can't just keep staying at, God, bless me today. God, help me be a good person. Okay, that's fine, and that's now I lay me down to sleep. But, you know, I'm not trying to be critical, but, but I'm trying to reflect the spirit of the teaching. The spirit of the teaching is that we have, it's good to start with now I lay me down to sleep, but you don't want to stay with now and lay me down to sleep. Moving into a deeper sense of understanding of prayer, a deeper sense of understanding of embracing the word. What is this truth for me? And so we don't want to just stay at milk. And people will say at church, well, I don't like that preacher who doesn't feed me. How old are you? How long have you been a follower of Christ? Seriously? Are we going to go to Wendy's and I'm going to dip a spoon in the chili and you're going to sit there and let, how long? Now, if, if you don't know how to eat, and we'll start there, but, but you, don't want to, you don't want to be middle-aged and I'm feeding you chili. There's a time to move from milk to meat. Now, but he, then he moves from that to say not only do you need to embrace spiritual maturity, but with, with meat comes the ability to distinguish between good and evil. One of the problems in our nation is, and our, look, y'all, problems in our nation are not about presidents and senators. Problems in our nation, same as the problems in China or, or Pakistan, the, 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 prob <laughs> the problem in our nation is not being able to distinguish what is good and evil and to call good things bad and to call bad things good. This is a prescription for disaster for our children, for our nation, for any nation, for our world. And so with spiritual maturity comes the ability to know that's, that's not a good thing. Politicians get in trouble for even using the word evil. 
and, and I don't want to get way off on that, but George Bush got criticized for saying something wasn't, Reagan got criticized for calling something an evil empire. Bush got in trouble for calling the evil, uh, uh, evil axis, I forget what the name was, uh, the triangle of countries. Uh, and, and, and people said, evil, who uses that kind of antiquated word? Who uses that concept? And all these philosophers came out and ridiculed our, two of our presidents for using the word evil. Do you understand? that we can't even label something evil. We, we, we come up with other words for it. Spiritual maturity, if we're going to invest ourselves in something, we invest ourselves in spiritual growth so that we will be able to discern, and he uses the word distinguish there in the scripture, we will be able to distinguish what is good and evil. Why? So that we do not invest our lives in things that are meaningless and useless and even perhaps evil. So there are some things that we get all emotional about and caught up in that uh, do not have eternal consequences. And so our life can be embedded. We can spend our mind and our emotional energy in things that have no uh, benefit to our health or helpful to others. So we want to spend our time investing our mind in things that, uh, if, if there's anything pure or noble or honorable, what's the scripture say? Think on these things. Invest your mind on these things. Invest your heart in these things. Be careful what you give your heart. When I was a youth minister, I spent lots of time talking to our teenagers about guard your heart. Now, what does that mean? The heart in the Bible is not about emotions. A lot of people think mind is about thoughts and, and the heart when the Bible says about emotions. That's not what the heart. The heart in the Bible, and when Jesus talks about the heart, means the center of your decision making. This is where your will is. So we point here, but it's really this, this combination uh, of uh, emotions and what you believe and how you think and, what, and, and your decision making. And the Bible says to guard your heart, and if there's anything noble or pure, think on these things. And Romans 12 talks to us about uh, how, let your mind be shaped uh, by uh, the will of God. And so, what we want for our children uh, to think on good things, invest our minds and our calendars and our finances and our, our emotions and our time and our conversations in meaningful uh, ministry rather than useless rhetoric. So now we move to Hebrews 6.1 and he says this, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Move beyond. We need this for our individual lives, and we need it for our church lives to move beyond. It's not about what feels comfortable, but what God has called us to. I, I want to tell you something. Americans enjoy the luxury of having time to waste on useless stuff. We have the luxury, unlike much of the world, who spends most of their time with survival, 
we spend a lot, we have the luxury of just talking and doing a lot of goofy things. But I want you to look at verse 7 and 8 of chapter 6, and this, this is our key. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. So here's what he's saying. This land that has been tilled, now you're going to have to till it up in order for it to receive the rain, or it's just going, the rain, the raindrops are going to bounce. You ever seen hard Georgia clay? You ever watched in the rain, it just bounces. And I, the, Jesus taught about this. He said thistles and all that, but it's the same thing. Sometimes spiritual teaching is bouncing on red Georgia clay. Anybody with me? Help me. Help me here. So if the land is tilled, if the spirit is ready, land, rain falls on it. And, and listen to what he says. The, the, the land produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. The land receives a blessing of God because it is producing something for others. We are the land that the rain falls on. Now, you, you, let, me, let me just contrast this here so we'll understand it. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. All right, in the end, it will be burned. So you want to be the land that receives the rain. But if you've ever uh, been around a lake where, uh, where the water comes in, but the, no, no water goes out, it becomes this stagnant pond. We are blessed to be a blessing. You've heard that before. But we are to receive the rain, the blessing of God that he pours out on us, the, 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 the mercy, the, uh, the grace that we see that has nothing to do with anything that we've done. No rule-keeping involved. Galatians said, who, the guys say, uh, Paul says there, who put a hex on you the, uh, that you're still hanging on to live right and live by the Ten Commandments? We live under the freedom of Christ the forgiveness, the mercy that we've received from the cross. The rain is pouring down, but we are not to soak it all in. The, I'll tell you where bitterness comes from is rain that comes in and stays stagnant. When you receive mercy, but you don't give mercy, when you receive forgiveness, but you don't give forgiveness, you become this stagnant pond that stinks. Now, that's, I'm talking about a church-going, Bible-believing, I got baptized and I take communion Christian. But if it's always coming in but never going out, that's a stagnant pond that stinks. And Jesus says God, God wants us to be a fragrance, a beautiful fragrance for him. So blessings received, blessings given. Luke chapter 7 says, He who has been forgiven deeply loves deeply. Instead of asking, how is life working for me? Maybe we should ask, how is my life working for others? Galatians 5 says, the only thing that matters is faith expressed in love. When we invest in other people, when we invest our money, and I think today you're having some decision about faith promise. And, and I, you may have thought I was going to talk about Christian City, and I'm going to mention it here as I wrap up, but, but I didn't want to come and give you a sales pitch. I wanted us to talk about Scripture today, and the Scripture teaches us to spend our lives investing in other people, to be land that, that receives the rain, the, the water. So much of Scripture 
that water is the picture of the Spirit coming in. Jesus says, I'm the living water, and I'm flow through you. We are to be conduits, the grace of God, not here just to receive and soak, sit and soak. Somebody I heard preacher last week said, don't just sit and soak, but we're to, we're to give. I've, I've seen uh, the joy that comes from this. Uh, we give a little bit to Christ and Youth CIY Conference. And in the old days, I was a speaker there, but I would see lives transformed when we would have a week with teenagers and uh, just Christian music and Christian speakers. Abby and Derek, uh, tremendous ministry. And they went over there, and, and uh, 4% believers in, uh, in uh, uh, Great Britain, and, and they're going to be on the college campus, which is even tougher, as you know. And they thought, well, you know, if we have 10 or 12 kids that we affect, and most everybody that started coming to their stuff didn't believe in Jesus, but they liked hamburgers and cupcakes and, and hanging out and music. And that's how you do campus ministry. And now the pictures they're sending, I mean, 80 kids out there, 90 kids out there, you know, hearing about Jesus, not like our culture where it's still, he's still fairly present, but in a culture that's it's just empty cathedrals that tourists go in. And, and these college kids are coming, and they're hearing about Jesus, and people are praying for each other. And, and Abby and Derek having a ministry that they never thought. And, and I'm not telling you about us giving. You know that. You know that. But I'm saying the joy that we get from those pictures. And we send a little money to Auburn campus ministry it's the same thing and Perry writes a letter and we we hear about a, a girl far from God or a guy that grew up in a crazy family and they're they're meeting the Lord and the Holy Spirit's filling their lives and let me tell you so let me tell you Christian City the rest of that story about the mom I shared with you who couldn't take care of the two girls she brought her daughters to Christian City and they've grown up in one of our homes and they, they were loved by dedicated house parents and they graduated from high school and they've gone on to live productive lives, good things. One of the things that Christian City does is safe place. The next time you go to a QT, I want you to look. There's a little sign there on the glass, safe place. Every QT employee is trained that if a kid comes in, let me tell you who they are, the average age is 16. You would think it might be younger, but 16, a kid leaves their home. I could tell you a story right now. If I named the parent, you would know the name about because they're so prominent. We've got kids from Cleveland Avenue. We've got kids from Roswell, Georgia, where I live. And they go into QT. They're trauma. They're scared, something crazy, whatever. That QT employee brings them around behind the counter. They call Christian City. We go and pick them up. We go up, we go pick that kid up, and we bring them to a crisis cottage that we have. We have group homes, but one of the houses, and you should come sometime and tour. It's just awesome, the new homes. You know, and Truett Kathy's been very helpful to us, and, and um, we've got a crisis cottage, and we bring that kid. And I can tell you just this last week, a kid from human trafficking in our crisis cottage, redeemed, reunited, restored, counseled, help given, family being counseled. He's not on the streets. Unbelievable, unbelievable what some of these kids go through. But safe place, just one of the things 
that we do. And, and so uh, I guess somebody said to me, oh, Dan, you're a fundraiser. And, and, and I said, you dang right. I'm a fundraiser. I'm going out and telling the stories. I don't have to ask people for money. People are good pe church people. All I have to do is tell the story, and we're doing things that the local church often can't do, and we're a resource for, for Metro Atlanta and beyond. Uh, call us, and we'll, we'll answer. Okay, here's the, we're, here's the end in case y'all want to get back out in the cold. You just need to remember how cold it is. This is a good place to be right now, so, right? So there's no reason to be in a hurry, but I'll wrap it up. But look at verse 10. This is pretty cool, y'all. It's not why we do it, but it's okay if it is why we do it. God will remember your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people. The love you have shown him you see, you're not just loving through all these things in your bulletin. I, I just, open your bulletin there for a minute. Just that, that program that, that you were given. Just, just look. Just look. College kids, Russia, London, Birmingham, England, Mexico, food pantry, do you know who's going to the food pantry now? Middle-class people. Food pantries are being overwhelmed. I want to tell you about North Fulton Community Charities that we support where I live in Roswell. They can't keep enough food on the shelves. You say, Roswell, George? We have 25 homeless kids in Roswell High School that we support. Roswell High School, 25 kids. And I've already told you about opioids. Folks, it's not about who the haves or hasn't or where you it has nothing to do with that. People have needs and you all are touching athletes and Jesus place downtown uh, oh he does a great job, a great job. Uh, you Africa, I mean, pregnancy resource center, people who are struggling with decisions, Christian camp. I can't change the whole world. I can't fix every kid, but I can support Woodland Camp where a kid goes, where my son made the decision for Christ at Woodland Camp. Yeah, I'm going to write a check. I can't change the whole world, but I can change a little section of the world. I can affect, and you gave to, you gave to Woodland Camp, that affected Campbell Garrett. I can make a difference. What I can't do is to pull back because I'm overwhelmed by the size of the challenge. God says, you leave that to me. With God, all things are possible. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. It's not my job to get it all figured out, and I have to give myself this speech often in my morning devotion. It's not my, it's not my job to fix the world. It's not my job to figure it out. And it's not my job to fix everybody else's opinion. It is my job to introduce Jesus to every person that I meet and that he is first in my life and that I make as much of an investment of my life in terms of my words, my conversation, my finances and my calendar as humanly possible. The time is limited. I wish somebody, you might talk to the TV. Does anybody else talk to the TV? Is that only me? Okay. 
I talk to the radio, too. I do talk to the guy out on 285 often. But I say, I wish somebody could fix this, whatever the topic. I wish somebody could fix this. And the answer is, someone can. You, me, us. I want to I want to pray for your church, and I hope hope I haven't abused my time. But I want to I want to pray for your church if you don't mind. And then Joel, I think, is going to come and wrap up. Would you just would you put your hand on that on that bulletin on just on that section? Just and let's I want to ask you to stand. Let's stand. I'm just going to ask you to place your hand right there. And then I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Lord God, we love you. We praise you. You have poured into us rain, beautiful, living water. And Father, if we're, if we're tilled up and ready to receive it, it is, a, it is the rain of life that grows the seeds of truth in us into the blessings of abundant, fruitful lives. Father, I thank you and praise you for this church that has chosen to not just sit and soak, but to go and be a conduit of your love, your mercy, your grace to others. Father, that, that means money. Good words, yes, Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, yes, Lord. But it also means money, and these folks have committed to invest in other people besides themselves. I praise you for that. I thank you for their leader. I pray a blessing on Joel and his family. No one knows the pressures that the pastor carries. I pray that you would protect him from the enemy. Guard his family and guard this church as they step out in faith. Fathers, we have our hands on these names and these ministry organizations. Pray right now that you would empower them through your spirit to multiply the gifts that are invested into them. And through you, through your hand, not through our work, but through your work, through your hand, through your, through your spirit's power, that you would multiply beyond anything that we could ask or imagine as the scripture teaches us to pray. And we pray this through the powerful name of Christ. Amen.